Praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> Man, you're, you're, you're like, forget, like, why you are where you are, <laughs> because something bigger is taking place. <laughs> that was a moment for me right now. <laughs> I don't know. I had to ask Darcy, what am I doing again? Uh, you just get caught up, man, and just in the presence of God and recognizing that God is in this place, man. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and hopefully he's in this place you know, as well. Man, it just kind of makes that connection, and it's so, so awesome right, to spend that time just acknowledging you know, the presence and the glory and the, and the amazingness of God. You know? And so um, praise the Lord. Amen. And so last week we were talking, man, and I shared a, a little bit of a sentence with you guys to consider. I told you guys, you know, uh, as we were reading through the scriptures and reading through the story that, that, you know, about Jesus going through Luke, we came across this place where we kind of just summed it up, man, basically that the enemy will gladly fill any space that is left in between you and Jesus, right? And so we want to be filled with Christ. We want to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And I shared that with you, but I have a question, man, and it's, it's a very natural question that would proceed from last week, and it's this right here. If, if the enemy will gladly fill any space between you and Jesus, how do you fill that space with Jesus? How do you fill that space with Jesus? You know, if we know that we're creating you know, or allowing all right, space to, be, you know, to, 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 to exist between Christ and ourself, then, then how, do we, how do we fill that space with Jesus. Now, I could tell you, you know, man, I could tell you straight up, you, know, you just read your Bible, right? Be in the Word, read the Bible, read the Bible. And I'd be half right. But if you don't value the voice of God more than you value any other voice on the planet, including your own, well, you're going to fall way short in just reading the Bible, opening your Word. You're going to fall way short, man. Check it out. All right. Uh, Father, we'll just give you praise. Lord God, we just uh, give you honor and give you glory. We just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Guide us through your word. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, times I, that's that guerrilla warfare type prayer. All of a sudden, boom, we're praying. Okay, dang. Okay. Uh, um, you know, you know <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, it happens, right? So we're in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read through our text, and then we're going to see how God is leading us this morning. And uh, my challenge again for you is to just remain underneath the word rather than on top of it, you know, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Luke chapter 11, verse 27 through 32 is our text, and we're continuing, all right? The story is just continuing uh, as, as, you know, as, as we've been reading through Luke chapter 11. It's kind of the scene that has just been progressing. And Luke chapter 11, verse 27 begins like this. He says, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast of which you nursed. That doesn't strike anybody else as odd? Okay, anyways, all right. <laughs> but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word in God, of God and keep it. And when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except 
the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the, man, with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the far ends of the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, words were just flying all over the place right now, weren't they? As Jesus was talking, and we're like, wait, what, what, where's he, what? We're gonna try to simplify this just for our context. And so a lot of you know, <laughs> it's no secret that my wife and I love to thrift store shop, right? Thrift store shopping and yard selling, all right? It's one of our favorite things to do together, all right? We spend a lot of time doing this together weekly, all right? We're, we're doing this, and when we take off on trips, that's one of the first places we go, all right? We don't go to go see this big show or this huge monument or natural, uh, you know, wonder or anything. Where are the thrift stores, all right? That's our, that's our thinking, right? And somebody asked me last week, how do you know what to look for? How do you know what to keep? All right, when, when you're out there in these, you know, in doing this, how do you know what to bring home? How do you know what to keep, man? And, you know, because every time, Debbie and I, we have never fails. Every time we find treasures. We find treasures, man. All right? And so my, my buddy's like, how do you know what's treasure and what's not? Well, we go in listed. We have a list, man. We go in with these mental lists, these heart lists. And I call them heart lists because they involve people, not things. You see, I know what she's looking for. She knows what I'm, what I'm, I know what will bless her. She knows what will bless me. We have a, our kids list. We know what will bless our children. And we have our friends list. We know what would bless our friends. And so when we go thrift store shopping, we go in listed, man. And we, we're in Sedona one weekend, man. And uh, just a week before we left that week, uh, my wife was making, you know, saying, hey, man, I'd like to get some ankle weights. You know, I think I'm going to get some ankle weights, you know, for our workout. And I thought, well, that's cool, you know, all right. And the next thing you know, we're at the thrift store. And we're, what am I looking for? Ankle weights. What do I find? First thrift store, ankle weights. Still in the box, brand new, five bucks. I'll take it. All right. Blessing my girl with those ankle weights, right? Right, it just we go enlisted, man. You know, my, you know, and my wife is way better at the at the kid list and the friend list than I am because after I see what find something she might want, I go and look at flannels. Right, I'm just looking for a cool flannel, man, because I'm a flannel uh, aholic. All right, you know, so um, and a t-shirt aholic. Anyways. And so, but my wife, I mean, we're, we were in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, right? And, and, and she's talking to my kid, one of my daughters, and uh, my daughter expresses, she's looking for this thing called a PHB box, right? And there's these little boxes, little trinket boxes. Some are quite expensive. And, and they're just a little trinket thing. There's a theme that's taking place on the outside of the box, and inside of the box, there'll be something that relates to that theme. And sure enough, man, first thrift store, my wife finds one for like three bucks, and it's worth like 100 or 200 bucks. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And she just finds it. When we go to our friend's house, this is what my wife does way better than I do. When we go visit some friends and stuff like that, my wife is hanging out, but she's also, she's also taking inventory. Not the kind you may think. She's looking at our, the vibe of our friends. You know what I mean? What our friends really like and what, the, what, what they really enjoy. And she catches the decorative vibe, all that stuff. This is who my wife is. All right, and then next thing you know, we'll be thrift store shopping, and we haven't seen this friend for maybe a month or so, and she's like, look, this is for so-and-so. And I'm like, 
why would they want that? Um, weren't you there? You know, they have this whole thing. She, 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 this is how she rolls, man. She, 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 uh, she keeps this list in her heart. It's not just a thing, 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 thing. It's a person, 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 because she values, all right, our friends, and she values our children, and she values me, right? And so that's pretty cool. All right, so she keeps that. She, she knows it all the time. And so I'm challenging this because in a world full of junk, what causes you to keep something, to grab on it, and to hold on to it? What, 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 what does that for you? And usually it's what you think is important. Because if it's important for, to you, you're going to find it because you're always looking for it. And you're looking for it all the time. And here's what's crazy, and this is going to kind of bring this in a little closer because when it comes to keeping, finding and keeping a relationship with God, have you ever noticed that God is not that easy to hold on to sometimes? Anybody or is it just me? God, is, nobody really wants to admit that, huh? <laughs> well, not for me. <laughs> uh, you know? Well, he is too for me because I become distracted pretty easily. God's not that easy to hold on to, all right, sometimes, um, and it's not his fault. It's usually ours. I look at Oswald Chambers. He said this. I'll put this up there. The greatest difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God, and his blessings are what make it so difficult. When God is blessing you, it is hard to keep that attention and focus on God. Our attention shifts from the gift giver to the gift, Right? I mean, struggle, pain, hardships, when that's taking place, oh, man, we are quick to look at God, to look for God, to look at God, to hold on to God. But when we begin to get blessed in those situations, we tend to draw our attention somewhere else. And the crazy thing is, man, almost everyone in this room will say that the most valued, important relationship they have in life is their relationship with God. And yet we struggle spending time with him. We struggle keeping that time with him. Why? Because if we're going to be really honest with ourselves, and maybe even with one another, we, we're not really trying to hear from him all the time. All right? And when things get going pretty good, why, why, should, why, why, why go there? Because a lot of times for us, his word isn't the most important thing right now. I hope you had your coffee because it's getting ready to get real crazy. Are you, are you with me? <laughs> All right. Let me just challenge you to something, right? And you're going to be like, okay, this is about being in the Word. No, this is about the Word being in you, so slow down. All right. If I was to ask you this question right here, what was the last thing you read and why did you read it? When it comes to the Word of God, what's the last thing you read in God's Word and why did you read it? Some of you will say, because I'm in the Word every day, and it was, my, it was my daily reading. Or some of you will say, because my devotion, my devotion picks the, the Scripture for me. Some of you will say, well, maybe, maybe a friend gave you some Scripture and challenged you to read this Scripture. Some of you will say, you know what, because it was on the dang screen, and I had to read it, right? <laughs> maybe the sermon brought it. We have all kinds of answers, practically speaking, of why we, what, what we read and why we read it. But if I was to ask you, what was the last thing you read and, and why did you read it? How many of you would share that, 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 that a piece of your life at that moment required that word? 
How many, how many, how many, let's put that question up there one more time, please. What was the last thing you read and why did you read it? My, my daily scripture, my Devo picked it. Uh, a friend gave it to me. I heard it in a sermon. I was challenged. How many of us would actually say, because at the time, my life required that word from God? You see, I want to lead you to understand the sovereignty of God's word. The sovereignty of his word in, in, in the life of, of humankind. You see, you know, if, if I'm going to ask you, you know, what, 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 what's the last thing you read and why you, were you reading it, all right, we need to be able to say, man, because I, this was, it may have been a daily pick, it may have been a devotion, it may have been a friend, it may have been the sermon, but you know what? I, the real reason is because God knows this is what I need right now in my life because he knows my life better than I do. And that's what we want. You see, that's, that's, that's what leads us to it. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is an insane piece of scripture. I can, we can preach on it till Jesus comes back. I'm going to do a very, very small version of what it means. So, 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 so don't write me an email. Say, well, you know, here's what that really meant. You, you save it. Okay, thank you. You can write me an email if you want to tell me where to find some cool flannels. But right now, just kind of just chill. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is alive. It's not just ink on a page. He's not just giving you ink on a page, right? It's not just ink. His word is the only word, it's the only thing you will ever read that's going to read you back. All right, because he knows exactly what you need to be internalizing at that moment in life, and he has already said something about it, and he will lead you to that. It's living and active. Now, here's the crazy part, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. And a lot of times we're like, I thought that was the same thing. Well, obviously not. Let me challenge you to think really quickly. The soul is that inside person, that inside man, that inside woman. It's, a, it's our thoughts, it's our will, it's our feelings, all right? Our motion, it's our being, all right? Most everybody on the planet lives from this soul, all right? Lives from their soul, their thoughts, their feeling, their will, all right? Their being. Even Christians. That's why a lot of times you'll find Christians who are living just basically this soul, you know, you know uh, influenced life, right? Basically, because it's you, they'll, they'll see them going from big event to big event to big event. I just need more hype, more hype to get me up, to get me up, to get me up. Well, the spirit is that inner person, is that inner person. It's inside the inner man, all right? It's inside the, it's inside the inside man. Basically, it's that part of our of, of humanity of a human being of each individual it's that part of you that can actually connect with god you see animals have souls animals feel they think all right they have a will all right they choose they have, they, they they know that they're alive but animals do not have a spirit i don't care what you've heard all right uh, you know on animal planet or whatever they don't <laughs> they have a soul they know that they're alive you ever try, you ever see a spider and go to kill the spider? You see how the spider's like dodging you? You know, all the whole time. It knows it's alive. And there's a threat. 
It has a, it has a soul. That, you know, every human, every being that God has created to live has a living, breathing soul. All right? But not only, only, human, only humans have the spirit. Knowing that, that, that knowledge, that understanding that we can connect with God. And knowing this leads to that spirit-led life. See, his word helps us go beyond merely existing. You see, the soul, the soul knows that we're alive. The spirit knows why we're alive. Do you understand the difference? If I'm living a soul life, I'm just trying to live what can benefit my thoughts, my feelings, my will, all right, whatever. If I'm living a spirit-led life, I'm, li I'm living to bless my God, my great God and King, because that's why I exist. You see the difference? You see, the word of God is what pierces to the division of the soul and spirit and helps us understand what living is really all about for God. See, the soul is about you and the spirit is all about God. And the, and the word of God not only does that, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He's digging deeper into me way more than I could ever dig, ever dig, or anybody else could dig. You ever hear the word of God or listen to somebody preach or, or listen to somebody talk with the things of God, and you feel like this person knows you, like intimately? Like, how in the world did you know these things about me? I've been in sermons where I'm like, well, I'm in the back, and I'm like, dude, dude, dude someone, what, who told him I would be here today? You know, and this dude's reading this stuff, and he's freaking me out. It's the word of God. And that's where this life is truly blessed. And this is exactly what Jesus is pointing out in our text today in Luke. There was all those words flying everywhere. This is exactly what he was talking about, and I'm going to prove it. All right. Let's go back to Luke 11, verse 27. And as he was saying these things, he just got through. We, 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 we saw him uh, last week, we, and the week before last, we saw him cast a demon out. Last week, we saw him say, you know what, don't leave that house empty because the enemy's just going to fill it back up again, all right, and fill it with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that last week. And then today, we're going to talk about just that, 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 what he's talking about, the importance of the word. And then here's what happens in that scene as it's happening. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice just randomly and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at what you nursed. I mean, okay, maybe it's just me. What? <laughs> really? You're talking about my mom, right? What? Basically, what she's saying is your mom must be really proud, right? <laughs> your mom must be really proud. But look what Jesus said. He goes, you know what? But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Yeah, my mom is awesome. But in comparison, more awesome are those who hear the word and keep it, which Jesus' mom did. He then illustrates this with the word of God. And that's when he starts going into Jonah and Nineveh and, and this queen of the south. So check this out. Then when the crowd started increasing, all right, a crowd started to gather. What's the best thing to tell a crowd when they start to gather? Something that's going to just kind of like, hey, what's happening? You know what he says? You guys are all evil. <laughs> that's what Jesus did. 
Talk about a crowd thinner. The gener this generation is an evil generation because it seeks a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. All right? Crowds are going to gather for one or two reasons. And again, we go back to the soul and spirit. I'm gathering because I need, I want, I got to have. All right? Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gather because you know what? I am here for something bigger than me. And I need to understand that better. And that's what I, that's why I'm here. That's why I exist. And he says, you know what? You guys are looking for a sign. You're evil generation. Not saying that sign, looking for signs was an evil thing, but when you're looking for the sign, for a sake of a sign, you know, basically I just want to be entertained by God or see what you're going to do next kind of thing. Are you going to do some more tricks for us? It was awesome because uh, I got to go... Uh, hang out with uh, the boys at the Recovery Works uh, Rehabilitation Center down in, in Sholo. And uh, every once in a while, I get to go down there and talk with these guys and kind of give them a little bit of message about leadership, about the word, stuff like that. Well, this time they asked if, that, if I can come so they can ask questions about God and the Bible. And it was pretty amazing because they actually approached their questions, not arrogantly, well, what if, and trying to prove God wrong, they actually were approaching these questions with a genuine inquisitive heart that wanted to know truth, that wanted to know the truth, all right? They were looking for truth. And, 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 and here's what I know about the truth. truth. Truth doesn't depend on how well I tell it. It depends on how willing you are to receive it. Did you know that? Truth doesn't depend on how well I can tell the truth. It depends on how willing you are to receive the truth. Regardless, it remains the truth with or without you, right? Somebody said this, giving truth to someone who doesn't want it only gives them more reasons to misinterpret it. Think about that. So Jesus, he says, you know, the, you know, this generation seeks an evil sign. It's an evil generation that seeks for a sign. No sign will give him except the sign of Jonah. He says, for as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. All right? And he's speaking, he's using Scripture to illustrate the importance of God's Word, of Scripture, and being in God's Word. He uses a story, man, an old story uh, where God called a prophet to go and, and, and preach, you know, repentance to this big busting at the seams town. This town was so huge, it's said to take three days to walk across this town, all right? I mean, it was well fortified, a very, very well-to-do city. And Jonah didn't want to go, man. He says, I ain't going, but he went anyway. Well, he ended up after, you know, being, you know, thrown in the belly of a fish, you know, he, he, he said... The story goes, he's on his way. He, he, God says, go, why don't you go preach to these guys? And Jesus, and Jonah doesn't even say anything, goes this way, takes off. I'm leaving, all right? Jumps on a boat, starts going across the ocean. All of a sudden, the ocean's going crazy. And, and everybody on the boat saying, we're going to die. Whose fault is this? Everybody call out to your God. And Jonah's downstairs sleeping. He's like, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not me, man. And they're like, hey, dude, why are you down here sleeping? Call out to your God. Jonah finally, you know, they cast lots. Whose fault is it? The lots fall on Jonah. Jonah goes, yeah, it's me, man. He goes, I'll tell you what, if you just throw me over the edge, everything will calm down. I'm not jumping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Basically, you're going to have to throw me, and he does, and, and, and the people are saved. And then, and then the God appoints a fish to, to swallow Jonah up, and he's in the belly of a fish for three days. And if somebody asked me, man, you know what? Do you, do, you, do you really, really believe that Jonah was in the belly of a fish? Yes, I do. 
Do you truly believe, okay, okay how, you know, you know how, that, that, that he lived? How did he, they said, how did he survive in the belly of a fish for three days? I said, you know what? When I get to heaven, I'll ask him. And they said, well, what if he's not there? Well, then you can ask him. All right? So praise the Lord. Anyways. <laughs> That's a little harsh. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up preaching in Nineveh. He preached one line sermon. Brrr, again, it's not how well I tell the truth, it's how well you're willing to receive it. He preached one liner, <clears throat> and they all, they all repented on their knees. He said, the queen of self will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. In the book of 1 Kings, chapter 10, you read about this incident that's taking place. And this queen lived in a place that is now known as modern-day Yemen. It's basically in Arabia area down there. And she traveled about 1,500 miles to come and listen to the wisdom of Solomon that she had came to understand was the word of God, that God was speaking through this man. And she traveled all that distance just to hear his word, just to hear what God had to say to this guy. She sought after God's word with a tenacity that would shame any of us. I, here's what's crazy. I mean, we got the word of God within our reach, and we find it hard to reach for. Why? Because we're only going to find and keep whatever is most important to you. I don't and I know what you're thinking, man. Right, right, you know, a lot of us say, well, I'm here, ain't I? I mean, isn't, isn't that good enough? And I got to challenge you, man. Why are you here? You have to answer that. Why, why are you here? Are, are you here to feel better? Are you here to be better? Are you here to know better and understand better? There's nothing wrong with that. Are you, are you here to understand deeper and even more? Or are you here to get a better grip on God who, because of the day-to-day, -day, we seem to lose our grip on him? And again, it's not because of him. Because I'll tell you, man, if we're here to get a better grip on God, guess what? Feeling better, being better, knowing better, understanding better will all take place because he is better. It blows me away sometimes, and I'm, I'm speaking personally, how much can slip away when listening to the word of God or when reading the word of God. And I, and, I, and I recognize a lot of times that throughout my life it has happened because I'm not grabbing a hold of it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reading right now 
In Ephesians, this is where I've been for quite a while now, Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verses 7 through 12. And there's just some, it's just mind-blowing stuff. Paul is talking about himself. You know, he says, you know, um, you know, by the grace of God, he's been made a minister. God has made him a minister, a servant in, in God's church, you know, to preach the word. All right, he says to me, uh, and by the working of his power, to me, this grace was given to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. All right, and, and any of us can look at that, right? And we can approach the Bible and just say, okay, we can be on top of it. And we can look at it and just say, okay, okay, I'm learning a little bit about Paul right here, right? And, and, you, and you'd be partly right. And then, and then we can back up a little bit and say, okay, you know, well, I'm actually learning more about the church, and we'd be partly right again, all right? And, and then we can actually say, okay, well, maybe this is why we are here, to do kind of this or maybe listen to this teaching, and part of that would be right as well. But the biggest question that you need to ask is what is going on in your life right now that you need to be in this word right now? What is God actually saying to you and your, and your life right now right, through his word? Because it is living and active, and it is dividing the soul life and the spirit life, all right? It is showing you, all right, a much bigger life and how to live fully alive. And so when I'm reading this, I'm, I'm looking at the grace that was given by the gift of his grace, all right? I'm recognizing, wait a second, I'm reminded all the way back to almost 30 years ago now, 28 years ago, I'm reminded to a life that was lived way before that, that, that you know what, didn't know that grace was available, didn't know that I had to walk, I didn't have to walk around just condemning myself all the time, or afraid to hear my name because I couldn't sound, the, I couldn't stand the sight of my, the, the, the sound of my name anymore. I've become so disgusted with myself that I didn't know how to love because you know what? I didn't love me. All right? I did not know that. And by the gift of his grace, I read this, right? And I recognized, remember? Yes, you're here on purpose, bro. God was telling me. All right, you're here on purpose. This is a real thing. You need to be right here, right now, doing what I tell you to do for my glory. And for the benefit of the church. This is what I'm talking about, by allowing the word of God to read you back. Don't get off, get out, put the microscope away, all right? And all the, yeah, the study materials, they're great. But before you get over it, get underneath it and say, okay, God, what are you pouring into me? This is important. We do a lot of listening. We do a lot of reading without a lot of keeping because we're not sure how to, how to keep because we're not really sure what we need to keep and it just goes around and around and around. Finally, Jesus says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation to condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And I just really quickly just wanna finish out with just this progression that Jesus gives us and how essential it is. He goes through this teaching. Like I said, words were just flying all everywhere. Queen of Sheba, Nineveh, Jonah, and signs, and all this stuff. But Jesus kept on pointing to himself. Something greater is here. Something greater is here. The son of man is going to be this sign. And number one thing is Jesus is the greater sign. Jesus is the greater sign. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the sign, is the only sign this, have you ever talked to somebody, I just want to see God move, I just want to see him do this, I want to see him do this, I want to see him do this, and that's, that's all awesome, 
all right? But the sign of the risen Christ, risen Christ far outweighs the sign of cure cancer. The sign of the risen Christ far outweighs the, the, the sign of finances being restored, recon, uh, relationships being reconciled, our health being restored. Because the sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ speaks to everyone, no matter what your circumstances are, good or bad. Because he not only speaks for this moment, but that's a sign that speaks to us for eternity. The resurrection speaks for us beyond the grave. And so healed in this world or not, we are healed from this world. No matter what sign we demand, that is the sign that we need. Jesus Christ died for your sins and my sins. He paved a highway back to God that we had just trashed and broke up and couldn't even find anymore. Jesus Christ is the only way that is the only way back to God. He's the only way to himself. The 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 cross, the the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest sign that any of us see. If I never get a sign in my life from God, that's all I need. Do you understand? That's all I need. If I don't see healing, if I don't see restoration, if I don't see reconciliation, I know that he covered everything at the cross. And when he got up, he made it possible for me to go with him. That's the sign that I need. Amen? And then he tells us that repentance is the right response to his word. Remember, he talks about, you know, Ninevites just kind of just repenting at the, at the, at the, at the response to his word. And what it tells me is that, that going his way means letting go of my way. Repentance, people always, you know, simplify it. And I think you oversimplify it when they say, well, you're going one way. And when you repent, whoop, you go this way now. All right? And that's kind of uh, true, but there's more to it because there's a whole person that's involved. There's a whole person that's involved to repentance. You see, because my mind took me someplace I shouldn't have went. My heart was allowing me to, to experience things that I didn't, didn't need to experience, and my hands were doing things I shouldn't be doing. And so when I repent, man, then my, 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 my mind is changed over the, th the, the, the things that I've been doing. When I repent, my heart is broken over the separation I've been causing between me and God. And when I repent, my hands and my life prove it. You understand? When I read the word of God, I am challenged in a way, piercing between soul and spirit, and I am challenged in a way that I need to respond holistically not just, oh, that's a good thought. But I need to respond with my head, my heart, and my hands. Letting go of the lies that I was holding on to and grabbing hold of the only truth that comes from God. So the progression, the progression Jesus is the greater sign. Repentance is the right response to his word. And hunger for the word of God reveals a heart for God. Hunger for the word of God reveals a heart for God. I love the sound of my wife's voice. I just love it. I remember we were in uh, visiting some family or, or across a couple of states, man, and there was some craziness going on. And voices were going louder and louder and louder here and there, and there was just different 
of opinion. And then I heard my wife. I didn't even see. I just heard her voice because I was getting all kind of a little bit anxious as I was listening to all these things. And I heard my wife's voice. And it wasn't even what she said. It was just the sound of her voice because I love her and I love her voice. How much more should we lean into the voice of God? Hunger for the word of God reveals a heart for God. I want to hear his voice. The spirit of the living God within me yearns for the word of God to lead me, to live a life that is actually larger than life, that is fully alive. And so now when I'm reading the word of God, that, that, that Hebrews thing that we were just talking about earlier, you know, that, that the word of God is living and it is living and active in my life, all right? And there is, I got, I got purpose, I got direction, I got understanding, I got leadership, man. I've got an embrace. Jesus is the greater sign. Repentance is the right response to his word. Hunger for the word reveals a heart for God. All this leads us to a life of, of hearing and keeping the word of God. Jesus says, more blessed, rather more blessed is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. No longer is his word just mere information that I could use or not use. It becomes inspiration that leads me to transformation. Inspiration means to fill somebody with the urge and ability to do something creative, something different, something more. And transformation is that thorough, just complete dramatic change in form inside and out. So now when I read the word of God, it is a catalyst for change. And when I read the word of God, I know that his Holy Spirit empowers me to that change. And so I'll challenge you with this right here. God's word trusted and kept will lead a life that can only be explained by the presence and power of God. Man, don't you want to live that life? Imagine if, if, if this right here, if, if, if your life could only be explained by the presence of God and the power of God himself. I want to live that kind of life. I believe that's why I'm here. And I believe that's why you are here. So what are we going to do about that, right? So last week, I would ask you to pray a prayer every day. I don't know how many of you guys were able to do that. Um, it was a pretty cool prayer. You know, as a proclamation of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is, you know, is, is upon me and he has anointed me. All right, uh, he basically, he is in me and he's all over me to do amazing things with him. And the challenge was to pray that every morning and to own that prayer. And so I want to take you into another area of scripture and I want you to write this down, I want you to memorize it and then I, got, I want you to question it. It's a very simple prayer, uh, verse. This is actually one of the first verses I committed to memory. I was challenged to commit to memory. It's Psalms 119, 11. All right, and it says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, what's crazy about Psalm 119, it's 176 verses. It's the longest uh, chapter in the whole book of the Bible, in the whole Bible, in all the books of the Bible. It's the, it's the, it's the largest chapter in the whole, and, and yet, Every verse, well, all 176 verses speaks of the importance of God's word. 
It's an amazing, amazing chapter to, to read through every so often. But I want to challenge you to Psalms 119.11. I want you to write this verse down. I want you to memorize this verse. Look at what it says. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then I want you to add this question. I want you to read this every morning. Just take this, this, this week for seven days, man. Just, just until we come back next weekend. Commit this right, to memory. And then, and then as, you, as, you, as you write this down, as you memorize it, I want you to question it. Every morning when you read this verse, when you proclaim this verse to God, because it's actually a prayer to God, ask the question, why do I need this today? Why do I need this today? When you get up tomorrow morning and you say, I have stored, you say to God, you pray his word back to him, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why do I need this today? Ask yourself that, ask God that. And challenge yourself throughout the day, just for seven days, man, come on. Praise the Lord, amen. Knock it out.